episode 24 of the Dads on the Fly podcast. We're going to get to today's episode in just a few moments. But before we do, we want to give a big shout out to a few people uh, who left us some great ratings on Apple Podcasts. Mr. Mo Hiker 32 said he really enjoys the down-to-earth everyman approach to fly fishing these guys take. Lots of laughs and some great information. Thanks for that, MoHiker32. And then KY Buckeye says, love the podcast, boys. You two come across very genuine, and I think a lot of us out here trying to balance water time and fatherhood can relate. Thank you, KY Buckeye. Thank you, MoHiker32. We're going to be sending some Dads on the Fly stickers your way. Thanks for supporting the podcast. We'd love to hear from you about our podcast as well. Go leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcast. And as always, make sure to reach out to us on social media. We're on Instagram at Dads on the Fly and on Facebook at Dads on the Fly as well. Got a lot of great uh, insight from our last podcast on how to fish with a God. Um, a lot of great responses from you all. So thank you for those. And so that means we're really excited about today's episode. We are starting a series today all uh, learning from the pros. And so we're going to spend the next few episodes, uh, we're thinking about five episodes, going through and interviewing some fly fishing experts, some uh, fly shop owners, some fly guides. And so we cannot wait for you to hear that. So we're going to go ahead and dive on into episode 24 of Dads on the Fly. To Dads on the Fly, episode 24? 24. 24. I am, I'm stoked today, man. We are on location. On location for Dads on the Fly. That's not, pretty, uh, not in our normal. Not in the Simmons dining room. Yeah, we're not at Caleb's dining room table today. We are at a smaller table, but the view, I don't want to get in trouble with your wife. Easy. But <laughs> the view at this location is sweet. It is awesome. So let's let everybody know where we're at. So we are at the Waynesville location of the Tuckaseegee Fly Shop, uh, right here on Depot Street in Waynesville. Um, shop's been here for about six months now. Yeah. Yeah, six months. Sorry, I was just awesome. reading a text from That's Dale. Right, man. <laughs> that, uh, that third voice you hear is our, is our special guest for tonight. Yep. So we're just going to jump right in and go ahead and introduce him. Let's dive in. Fire it up. We have with us tonight a very special guest, Mr. Bobby Bennett. Mr. Bobby, oh, how you doing? He threw the Mr. in front of that. Yeah, man. man. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to be on here with you guys. So appreciate y'all meeting me here. We making are it easy on me. Oh man, we appreciate you for doing this for us, and we have been fans of the Fly Shop for a long time. Well, good. Man. Uh, That's awesome. I can remember going to the. Bryson City location when that's the only location you had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a long time ago. Yeah, we'd go up and fish the park up there and some little small streams up there, and that was always the pit stop on the way in. We can drop the stream, mate. Like we're a big Nolan Creek. Yeah, we like Nolan Creek. We would just stop Deep Creek and a couple of places up there. Yeah, I'm not telling anybody where we're going in there, but we're we did a spot burning episode a couple episodes ago, and people got all excited about that one. It was fun. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, yeah, here we are in the fly shop. I just want to say before we get the episode started, I like the Waynesville shop. Yeah, man, you guys have done a great job. This I mean, awesome. part of it, part of it was already here. We just kind of made it, you know, our own in a way. So it's it's got a great good. tug fly shop feel to it. Um, if you've been to all three shops, um, those of you, th- we have some listeners who are not local, but most of our lo- listeners are local. And uh, we we have always said this was a shop we love to support. And last week we did an episode on guides and fly shops and how we want to support local fly shops and try not to use big boxes box store as much as we can and, and I can say we've done that. I bought my vice was right there the other week and I come here and bought it from Oh Dale. did you which one did you get? Uh we got the I got the which one did I get? Peak. Oh the peak. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah peak I'm a I'm yeah. a I'm a brand new fly tire. I've been fly tying flies for two weeks. I was about to say if you bought yeah. it two weeks ago probably two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. For two weeks. We it's kind of a it's kind of a running joke. We we usually have a check in on how that's going for you and uh have you tied any flies this week? I've not tied I've had a busy we, we laugh about it because it still shocks me that he likes to tie flies. Because, really? Oh, yeah, because he doesn't have the patience for it. Oh, okay. still very well. He's the, guy, he's the guy that when we go fly fishing, like, he, he's, he's running. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like, he, he's jumping from hole to hole to hole to hole to hole, and I usually come behind and I catch mean, I don't fish, tie that many flies. Shannon's the big fly tire in the he? shop, but me and Dale tie as needed. I got you. <laughs> so. well, my, my, our goal for 
2022 is that Caleb's going to tie all the flies that are difficult. There you go. And I'm going to tie all the simple stuff. Yeah. That's going to give He's us going to tie all our greeny weenies <laughs> and all our, you know, egg patterns. I and buy stuff all like my difficult patterns. I don't tie any <laughs> yeah. of I, If there's a pattern I hate tying, well, I'm not going to tie it. You know, it. Yeah. your most recent podcast episode said 2022 goals, right? Yeah. So Caleb's 2022 goal is he's not buying a fly this year. That, that's what I hope. That's his goal. So we'll Good see luck. how it goes. Good luck, yeah, man. we'll see how it goes. So I mean, it may, it mean, it may mean I fish with very simple patterns well, all year. We're but. getting into smallie fishing in the spring. And yeah, so I got to start tying some big streamers. So yeah, we're not so sure. We're going to learn. You can do it. Yeah, I think we can. Hey, it probably makes you a better angler because then you're like, hey man, this is what I've got, so I got to make it work. Yeah, you for know, sure. rather than oh, let me swing by and grab, find out what the hottest pattern yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I could see how that can be fun to try to be like, hey, I'm going to put myself through the torture of. This is what I got. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, for us, we're such, um, you know, we're, we're weekend warriors. So the, what I've loved about fly time is it, it keeps me connected to the sport yeah. when I can't go fishing. So, like, I can put the kids to bed at night and go knock out a couple dozen patterns and yeah. be doing well. So, it's a lot of fun. Have y'all have y'all made your wives crazy with fly time stuff all over, like, the oh, dining room table so, and all that? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the best was the night that I taught him. We got his peak vice and we brought it over to the house and... The dining room table just turned into. You start out with deer hair, man, because it just oh, goes yes. everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. If you just get it out of the way yeah. and say, "This is how it's going to be." It's yeah. going to go everywhere. <laughs> yep. you know? so. Yeah, yeah. We have a we have a little Dyson vacuum that she kind of like puts beside me when I tie flies, and it just makes me clean up my station <laughs> afterwards. That's so it's pretty good. So we're here tonight with Bobby, and we just wanted to, uh, you know, we're doing a little guide series, and uh, and through the guide series, we're also getting some uh, some fly shop owners, and so um, cool, man. We just want to kind of ask you some questions, kind of just make this as laid back as possible. We're real laid back, and so how'd you get into fly fishing, man? Just where did uh, you, I know you are from the east middle I'm, of the state? I'm, I'm right? from the central part of the state, so if anybody's familiar with Pinehurst, they probably know where that's at. I didn't grow up in Pinehurst; I was born in Pinehurst, but I probably lived like 15, 20 minutes from Pinehurst, and. Um, I fished since I was a kid, you know, at the coast and in and around central North Carolina, you know, ponds and lakes and stuff like that. So uh, I can't remember the exact year I, I was working for a gentleman. I used to be in, in landscaping, so I was working for a gentleman out of Raleigh, and we had to go to a, uh, a trade show in Nashville. Not Asheville, but Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, on our way up, we stopped in Asheville and did a guided trip. It was like, you know, him saying, hey, thanks for working here. Appreciate everything you do type thing. Yeah. And that's how I got in. That was that was somewhere in the mid two thousands. Was it a um, was it a guided trout trip? Yeah. Okay. Just, yeah. Just up on the the Shelton Laurel. Yeah. Okay. Oh, where okay. we went. Yeah, yeah. We fished there a few times. Yeah. Right? That was back in our younger day. Like yeah, man. That's like when we were getting started. We love our early days. Yeah. You went yeah. to Shelton Laurel a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I awesome. caught I caught like three huge rainbows. Obviously they were they were stalkers. It yeah. was like February or whatever. It was cold. There was snow on the ground, and uh, it was like a half day trip. Caught three big fish and you know, kind of hooked from there. So. Kind of, kind of rolls off. Of Y'all know that feeling. Yeah. You, oh yeah. You, you get that little eagerness now to go every time. And then I went. I don't know. Gosh, man, we probably went twelve or fifteen times and didn't catch jack. I mean, yeah. it was terrible. <laughs> and then finally, it just starts clicking. You know, and mm-hmm. and you, you kind of get things rolling, and it's like, okay, I kind of understand this now. And uh, so yeah, if I didn't have that guide the first trip, I probably wouldn't have caught anything. Yeah. <laughs> We talked about that last time. Yeah, we talked about that last time. Like, if we didn't have people take us, I had a guy take me for the first time who was a guide. He had stopped being yeah. a guide for a few years, but he took me and he'd guided this area for years. And we went for two hours on the on the tuxedo and just caught like five rainbows on streamers. And yeah. I was like, I went and bought a I went and bought a that's it better man. fly rod like, that um, afternoon. So, and yep. he goes to my wife the next day at church is just like, I- I'm sorry. <laughs> he just apologized to her so it's pretty good that's so how it goes how, yeah. how did one guy to trip and you know run through Asheville turn into uh you know you getting into the business like did you fish for some years and all of a sudden decide I mean I don't want to go uh, through the whole story but no you know, no you, no I'll you, give you, you the short version okay uh, or as best I can the short version so um you know I fly fished on and off for years after that and then about 2010 or so, I was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on the, the landscaping field. Um, I'd done, you know, big projects, small projects, homeowner stuff, all that, like the whole gamut of it. And uh, was just ready to do something different. And so it took, it took a couple of years to kind of figure it out. I knew I wanted to do something in fly fishing. I was actually looking more about going to the coast and doing more of like a redfish guide, stuff like that, probably like the low country of South Carolina. Had really invested. I mean, we were to the point where we were already looking at houses and you've stuff. Heard, 
Uh, yeah, in and around there, we, Bluffton and all that whole area, Hilton Head. He was born in Walterboro. Okay, yeah, I grew yeah. Up in, we, we grew, grew up, up in the coast. coast. Okay, South yeah, yeah. <laughs> we gotta yeah. know that area. Yeah, so I was looking hard into that. I mean, like we'd started looking at the hospitals down there for my wife because she's in the medical field and stuff, and trying to just figure that stuff out. And um, it, you know, it's one of those things where like it feels like every door gets shut in your face. Yeah, you know. And so Dale had transitioned up here from he he went to college at western there in Cullowee, so he knew this area came back up to help a buddy out and then he kind of was like hey man why don't you come up here and see what we can get into now did you guys know each other we did before yeah yeah we'd like known each other up? for several years not growing up uh i guess mid-20s we we met through a mutual friend okay. and that's how we kind of got to know each other been fishing together hanging out done vacations you know all three husband and wives getting together and doing vacations together and stuff. So that's how we knew each other. So that's kind of how it blossomed is him saying, Hey, let's, what do you think about doing trout instead of redfish? And here we are. So started, started a shop and now there's three somehow. That's all. Yeah. That's, that's great. So, so how did, how did, so how did Tuck CG fly shop kind of get started? I mean, I think you started in Bryson city, right? Started in Bryson city. So it was, it was more of a, Hey, what are we going to do? Are we going to guide? Do we want to shop? Kind of went through that. We felt like there was a little bit of a void of a shop down in that area, Silva, Bryson City. There were a couple shops, but I felt like, you know, me and Dale, I think the driving was that we could do a little better. Yeah. Um, so we started looking, found a place in, in Bryson City, just kind of happened upon it one day. It wasn't anything, you know, super special or anything. So it was actually being used more as like a storage unit for for some folks. It's the same location you have now? Mm-hmm. I love that spot, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great, great spot. And uh Lucked out that, you know, they were willing to rent it to us. And, uh, you know, that's kind of the history there. And then Silva was one of those things where, you know, it was just opportunity for growth. Yeah. So looked at it. We knew the people that had rented that building that had left it. It was a women's, like, boutique-type shop mm -hmm. in Silva. And so we knew her. We were able to get up with the, the person that owned it, started that. And then, then this this one kind of rolled into – we knew Waynesville needed a fly shop. Yeah. Like, we had enough people coming to Silva saying – we, we were the, we were the yes. best people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Saying, hey, man, we wish we had a fly shop. We hate that, you know, Hunter Banks used to be here, and I don't yeah. know what happened up the street. Um, but they, they had to, you know, move out, I guess, what was that, three years ago? Yeah, Maybe like four mm -hmm. now? It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, it, yeah. Was, it was I BC to, before COVID. Yeah. So yeah. yeah oh, it definitely like was before you, COVID, I feel like. I yeah. used to go up there because my mother-in-law has an antique shop on Main Street. Okay. And so uh, that's why I would just run in there. Like, I'd be up there working for her, helping her out, and – I'd walk in and got to meet those guys, and and when they left, it, it did kind of stink. And I found myself driving to Silva all the time, yeah. to your shop, and uh, you know, it's and it's we like, live in Canton, and we so live like, in Canton. Yeah. We're so that's like, this that's is really awesome. Driving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's, it's really great. We've here. we've been in here a lot already. Yeah, and uh, you know, while you're just talking about how you guys started the shop, I don't know if it was your your passion or what what drove you guys to, but I've always found that your shops, whether I'm in Silva, Bryson City, or here. It just feels like a cool atmosphere. Does that make sense? Like well, good. the people. I mean, it does. I mean, like I never people, view myself as a cool person, so that's that's good <laughs> like, to hear. I it's, guess. A, it's always easy for me to come in and talk to whoever's in your shop. Yeah, well, good man. And yeah. me and Caleb, we talk about this a lot. We we kind of thrive our podcast on being novice fishermen. Yeah, we, maybe not as novice as we used to be, but we're definitely not professional fishermen. Yeah, and we kind of do this on the fly. It's kind of a, kind of our deal. And I think people, we've, we're kind of getting more people to like our podcast because we're real dudes. We're not guides. We're not, yeah. you know, we can wear. And we talk about this all the time. Fly fishing can be real elitist. It can. And go ahead. You want to say well, what Yeah, I was just going to say, that's one of the things I love about, like, y'all shop and everything. Like, I feel like we come into your shop or wherever and, you know, don't feel like we have to know everything about everything. We come in. We can ask questions. We've called, you guys, hear, we've called you guys on the phone, talked to your gods your people run your when shop we, a lot we, we just we, bought we, our raft yeah we got our raft in okay cool yeah we just got our raft in what was it december right yeah december came in in december nice and uh you got we've worn your poor shop guys that work during the day in silva for river flows in Bryson city <laughs> oh yeah we I, caught them I, I like, know. we caught them like three times that week preparing for the trip on friday yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we're such novice we're such beginner paddlers gotcha that yeah, we yeah, wanted rowers, to make yeah. sure things were safe you know what i mean like Oarsman. oarsman, yeah, oarsman. Yes, that's that's go. the right Thank word. You, sorry, we're 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 new on the sticks. Is <laughs> we how are like very so, new oarsman. But yeah, we we've caught a lot. But like, all right, so what's the flow? Like, are we? Yeah. Do, should we be worried about any certain location? <laughs> so is there, we've is there worn, any rocks yeah, to yeah, avoid. Yeah. It was great. Avoid? You guys gave us great information. Yeah, we've good. done we've done the Dillsborough section now, 
and the Bryson City section a couple times. Yeah. Okay. Um, our dad is a uh, – He's had two knee replacements. We were able to take him on New Year's Eve because it was kind of warm that day. Okay, yeah, yeah. And put him on the Bryce Day section. Yeah. Caught a great amount of fish. That yeah, day. we had a blast. Yeah, it, was it was awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I can't say enough for those of you who are listening that are local. These guys are here to help you. That's the way we feel about your shop. Yeah. Well, good. That's what we try to – You know, it, me and Dale aren't always in the shop. So, it's it's nice to know that without getting feedback, you never know. Hey, yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we try to – push it and implement it and tell everybody, you know, you come in the door, somebody should be saying, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. Or, you know, good morning or something. Even if they're helping somebody, they need to, like, acknowledge that you walked in the door. This is it's the way you, you know? do it. Like, I have a lot of friends that I have a gentleman, uh, an older gentleman who I kind of got him into fly fishing, right? Yeah. Um, took him, he bought his fly rods, he's got all this stuff now. And I said, look, you need to go to the tuck shop and you need to take a half-day trip or a full-day trip with one of their guys. I said I can take you a hundred times and help you out, but you need to go. And he did, and he yeah. went with one. He went on a way trip with one of your guys. I can't remember the name, but and and it was a cool experience for him. And and since then, he's bought flies here, and he, you know what I mean. So it's like, yeah, this is where I try to lead people your way because you guys do a great job of being yeah. that shop, in my opinion. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Man. So, so I want to ask you. So, what do you contribute to? Your success, because you guys have been successful. I mean, you've grown. It's all me. you got three locations. It's just you. It's just <laughs> yes, it is all. It's Look at that beard, man. It's Bobby. all Bobby's it's the beard. beard. It's the beard. Um, I think it's that me and Dell used to be on the other side of the counter. Okay, and we yeah. used to be you guys. Yeah, you know, we really did. Um, you know, a lot of people that are in the industry, and not to knock them by any means, but they grew up in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, either maybe a parent or grandfather owned a shop, or they were a guide, or whatever so it's taking that experience of being on that other side of the counter being new to it not having any idea you know how to do it or where to go or you know if you're doing something wrong and I think having that always in the back of your head is is something that kind of fuels the fire to make sure that somebody that doesn't doesn't have a clue when they walk in that door when they leave they go okay I feel pretty good about this I think another thing that I don't know if you guys talk about this but you're in Jackson County, Haywood County. Swain County. Swain County. Yep. You're not dealing with a lot of – you are with some, I can see, but you're not like a big city. Does that make sense? No, no, it's not and, even close to a big city. I used exactly. to live in Raleigh, <laughs> yeah. and Raleigh's yeah. not even a big city. And so but. I've been to fly shops in cities. Mm-hmm. They have a different feel than fly shops here. Yeah. And I think you guys have done an even better job. Look, I'll just say this. I don't think we're having another fly shop on around here. I come here. I mean, there's other shops. There yeah. are. There, I mean, there's a couple of shops in Price City. There's there used to be another shop here, and I I, I used to drive to Silva rather than like drive to Asheville. Just yeah, being real, and it's because of the way I get feel like I'm treated when I walk in the door. Well, good man. So I, I, appreciate I appreciate that about it. And I, I and I'll just say to you guys and anybody listening, man, if you're ever having a bad experience, it's always good to tell us because I don't know unless you tell me. Yeah, you know, because it's possible. I mean, you know, sometimes employees have a bad day. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> it just yeah, is what it is. And you got you got a slew of employees now too. We I mean, do with to, three shops. Yeah, yeah. we do. We How many got, guides are you running? Like, uh, you know, off the top of my head, one, two, three, four. It's probably like close to ten, I'd say. Awesome. Um, some of those are are part time guides, so they're not like full time. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, hey, I can help you on Saturdays or Sundays or Tuesday and Thursday or something like that, um, depending on what they you know have going on in their life, but. So it's not all full time, and obviously we got some part time college students that work the shop and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd say full timers. We're probably like six or seven people full time. So, with all that about the fly shop, what is the you want to go best first or worst part of owning a fly shop? Oh man, best part of owning a fly shop is probably. I mean, there's probably several. I don't know if I have like a top. But probably the best part was, for me at least, getting to experience, and this is probably when I guided a little more. Um, how about we do this? How about we say best part of guiding and then one for best part of shop? Is that cool? I was going to yeah. ask you how much you guide now. That was going to be one of the I don't guide a lot now. Yeah, it's very select customers that like request me that I've, I've taken fishing before just because there's just way too much to do on the back side of stuff. Um, as far as computer work and orders and all that fun stuff that you get to do. Um, so guiding, probably like seeing kids catch their first fish possibly. That's cool. You know, um, sometimes it's just their first trout maybe, but just their first fish. I mean, that's incredible, you know, um, to see that. Um, my wife, same type of thing. She's like a kid to me when it comes to fishing because she absolutely knows nothing. But 
I've taken her fishing and that's probably like the highlight of it is when she caught like a big brown trout out in Montana. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I took my wife fly fishing for the first time this past year and it was kind of the same experience. Yeah, like she caught yeah. her first fish on the fly. Now it can turn bad. Yeah. Well, it was a good experience. <laughs> when it's it was, your wife. It was real easy fishing. It was real easy waiting. You know, she hooked into awesome rainbow and she's just, she's squealing like a little kid. Yeah. I mean, it was great. It was awesome. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things. I'd say that's the good part about guiding. Um, as far as, as running the shop, I think it's the reward. It's, it's basically what you just said, the reward of people hearing what you just said about how you love coming to the shop you feel like you're part of something, part of the family of Tuck Fly. Because, I mean, there's customers in here that have become friends. Yeah. You know, like, they they just are that type where they come and just sit in the shop and hang out for, you know, a little while and talk, and you don't expect them to buy anything. Um, I think that's cool that we've created kind of that, like, atmosphere of family, even though we're spread out in three locations now. Um, the bad side of guiding is, man, sometimes personalities just don't match. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's just with anything in life. You guys can probably associate that with, with your careers. And, uh, you know, you have those days where it's a, it's a grind, you know, to get through the day. Um, and I think that's everything. And there's a fit for those people. If they don't match me or one of the other guys, as far as personality and the way you blend, there's a guide out there that is that person for you. Um, it could be somebody right there with that shop or guide service that you're using. Uh, or it could be going to another whole group um but that that's probably the toughest time is when it's hard to get reactions out of people or see like that they're they're taking in your information that you're trying to help them and you know things like that and and that's just tough man that's with anything if you were a golf instructor probably the same thing you know um the i, I instruct every day <laughs> yes, i'm, I'm a, teacher, you're a teacher so, so i know exactly what yeah. you're talking about yeah. yeah so it's like some people it's just super simple it's, it blends through and then some days like i said it's a grind um bad part about owning the shop is probably that's a tough one man because it's a pretty cool gig <laughs> i'm not gonna say, lie i would probably love it but i'm sure there's some grind to I, it i, I think it, it's probably and i don't want to just make it sound so simplistic but it, it's probably like any being ownership of any place yeah. it's just dealing with people all day. yeah uh, and i don't mean that as customers i mean employees mm-hmm. anytime you have to deal with employees there's always everybody needs somebody always needs off somebody's always got a problem with covid somebody's always sick some yeah and it's, it's not like it's their fault it's just life and you know it's that whole like oh gosh how are we going to cover this shop how are we going to do that how are we going to make this work oh that guy's got this we didn't know that we got to flip this around we got to move four people to make this one thing work like that is yeah, and I know and you're you doing guys, that at like nine o'clock at night. Yeah, you know, yeah. I listened to your podcast, and I know that during COVID, you guys were talking about how. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a grind. I mean, it was tough it on small businesses. And, it was, and um, and I was. I really to, thought we were going out of business. Oh wow! Wow! I mean, as soon as that hit, I was like, man, I did not think this is. How, I thought mm. I would screw it up. Yeah, and <laughs> you know? instead you got a third shot. Yeah, right after. Yeah, COVID. yeah. That's pretty so it's, stuff. it's like, how did that happen? You know, because I really thought like this is it, man. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, um, we, we can't do our episodes in here every week. Yeah, because you're Cause too I was busy. just you're I'm too like busy looking at what you seeing want what I could spend money yeah. on in here. You know? So you were kind of talking about this a minute ago with talking about the bad side of guiding like what advice would you give to people we we did a guide episode last week where we okay. tried to inform people like our experiences with guides how we hire them how we go about treating them what we do when we yeah try to do it so as a guide okay what advice would you give to people who are hiring a guide and fishing no, that's a guide? great like, question what, what so should people do what you have to any anytime you're in a situation and you're dealing with people you have to put yourself on the other side of the table or the situation. So if you're going out with a guide, there's only so many things that guide can actually control. He can't control the weather. He can't control the fish. He can't control the water. We got that right. We talked about that last time. This is literally what I said on my last episode. It's not (laughs) his fault. He can't control your attitude. Yes. Uh, I mean, he can't control, you know, all those things. There's so many things. What he can control is that he brings a good attitude, or she. I, I don't want to leave it as just guys. Yeah. He or she brings a great attitude for that day of fishing with you. And you should feel that in the phone call the night before. Yeah. You know, when they call and say, hey, man, let's meet at yada, yada. Let's do this. This is what I'm thinking. You should feel that, like, man, I'm excited to take you guys fishing. Um, he can control that. He can control your lunch. So hopefully he gets your lunch right. If you're like, hey, I'm vegan, he better not bring you a ham sandwich, <laughs> right? Like the, yeah. the things that he controlled, that's yeah. what they should do extremely well because it's, it's control. Now, on the fishing side of things, it's listen. 
Yeah. And anywhere you go, guides are going to do it different. So, you know, Jimmy did it this way, and Tori did it this way, and James did it that way. That doesn't mean that's the way that I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. right? And that, that's not a bad thing because anytime you would go with a guide, you get to learn how to do different things. Like, oh, that's how he ties that. But the other guy did it this way, but I actually like that better. So you have to go into it with an open mind. Oh, okay, this is how we're going to drift it here. You know, if you go out to Montana or Colorado and stuff like that, some of those rivers out there, it's wide open. You're not going to fish like you do here. You're going to throw a lot more reach cast because you're dealing with wind and less vegetation. I heard, so the uh, casting is totally different. I heard a, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and I don't know if this is true or not. You could speak to it because I've not been out west yet. Yeah. Um, some people say that we kind of have somewhat advantage, like – we're more technical in this area. We are. And so, in some ways, it gives us – like, they were talking about how well, they can just throw 2 and 3x tippet out there. Is that in most, true? In most places? situations. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's true everywhere because, obviously, any body of water is going to be different, right? <clears throat> and any state or anything like that, it's going to change variables, especially those states out there. They're quite large. So, you know, you drive four hours in one direction, water changes. You drive to Boone from here, you know, three, three and a half hours. Water's pretty similar. Um, out there, it can change pretty drastically over that time of a, of a drive. So, yes, it is. Yes, it's not. It just kind of depends. Um, I think that's one of those variables that it just depends on the water. Um, do they have it easier? Some days, yes. Some days, no. Again, they got to deal with the wind. Not that we don't ever deal with the wind here, but the wind here is not consistent like it is there. We have a windy day. They have wind every day on some of those rivers. Mm-hmm. It's either upstream or downstream, you know, and they got to figure out, hey, how are we going to cast today because it's upstream, downstream. Um, so that, that is something to kind of take into consideration out there. That's different. They can throw bigger bugs. You know, just take a mayfly. They might be throwing a size 8 or 10 mayfly. Where here, we're throwing size 16s. Yeah. You know, so that's nice because it's so much more visible on the water. Is that always the case? And, well, that's going to catch you the most fish? Maybe not out there. Because I've fished Yellowstone National Park after I've gone to a couple fly shops, and they all said hoppers, 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 and then I throw on like a little tiny mayfly, and I crushed it. <laughs> that's awesome. So Because it's everybody else on the dang rivers throwing hoppers. Mayflies. Yeah, or hoppers. Yeah. yeah. So... Yes and no. It is. It can be easier. The wind, if it's a windy, windy day, and I'm talking like 30-mile-an-hour winds, it's a, it's, it's a grind. It's a struggle through that. So, And that's, that's where you have to learn all the reach cast, pile cast, stack mending, all that type of stuff is super important when you go out there. Where here, it's casting's important, but it's not as important. We do a roll cast, get a good drift. Yeah. You know, there you actually, your cast dictates how your drift's going to be because you can't necessarily always mend it. Because mm-hmm. when you throw them in, the, the wind catches the line and it just messes everything up. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where being able to throw a reach cast where your line lands the exact way. And it's feeding already. Yeah. As soon as it lands, it's fishing rather than having to mend and all that stuff. We, we got some practice to do before we go west. fascinating. Yeah, we could, yeah, we I didn't could even expect take a deep go, dive I didn't on all this. expect the podcast to go that way. That was <laughs> really awesome. awesome. Um, go, going back to what you're saying, though, about mm-hmm. like dealing with a guide and everything, because that's kind of how this started. And then my brother, being what he does, likes to go a lot of different directions. No, it's good, man. Um, what, that's one of the things we try to encourage people is be humble when you work with a guide and stuff like that. Like yeah. uh, we've talked to guys before and they're like, you know, you deal with some people that show up and it's like, why did you even pay this guide? I think it's, it's on the client yeah. and the guide to lay the expectations out there fully. Yeah. We have people that book trips and, and they will actually say, man, I've been fly fishing for 40 years. I, my wife just doesn't want me to go by myself. And yeah. I totally respect yeah, that. You know, that they're 80 sense. years yeah. old. And they're like, I really don't need help. I just, mm. I got to have somebody there with me. Cause, and I, and I, I think that's great because yeah. going fishing by yourself in, in some areas is just a bad idea. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, just from a safety aspect. So, you know, if they lay that out in the front, then the guy knows, hey, I'm there. You ask the guy, hey, do you want me to tie the flies on? Do you want me to get that tangle out? And if they say no, you just let them roll. That's got to be know? a great day as a guide, though. Some days it is, because just because you fished, did something for 40 years doesn't mean you're good at it, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I know that's there's true. some things I've done for a long time, and I'm not very good at them, so it just is what it is. I got you, but, I got you. But usually, no, usually those people that have done it that long those are, those are pretty calm good. calm days, yeah. Yeah. So, that's good. But, you know, at the same time, if you're a beginner, lay it out there. I know nothing, and I'm going to – and that's where the guy says, if you'll listen to me, you'll have opportunities to catch fish. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're going to catch a fish, but the, op- the fish will eat, and mm-hmm. then it's on you to set the hook, you know, like – um, so yeah, that's the thing too. Like it, we've, we've got a few different guide trips that we've taken. And one thing I always try to do is just try to go and try to learn. You, I think you said it a minute ago, try to learn something. Cause like you said, everybody does it differently. Even on and, a bad day of fishing where the fish are not cooperating. You can learn something. You can learn a ton. Yeah. If, if, if you're willing to say, Hey, 
the fish aren't cooperating. Show me some stuff. You know, like, mm-hmm. teach me. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing it that way? Why are you tying that knot? Why are we casting by that rock or in front of that rock or behind that rock? Like, all of a sudden, it starts like, okay, now you've gone out of there. Because you're really not paying. I think a lot of people get the misconception that when you go on a guided trip, you're paying to catch fish. Mm-hmm. You're paying for knowledge. Yeah. That's what you're paying for. Well, and, yeah, and a good and time. You're looking to have a good day. Having a good time, yeah. Right. For sure. But really and truly, you're, you're there. I, I tell people all the time, pick that guide's brain. Ask a ton of questions. And a good guide, in my, in my opinion, it starts from the phone call, the first time he, he or she contacts you and says, you know, let's do this. Let's go here. Meet me here. That should go great. The car ride, the lunch, the entire experience. So when you're in the car, it, the guide should not be – asking you questions. You should be asking the guy questions. So the guy shouldn't be, and don't get me wrong, this is going to come up like, hey, what do you do for a living? That should be way into the day before the guy asks you that. You should be like, hey, what's that mountain? Yeah. What's Cherokee? What's this over here? And that guy, he's not going to know it all, or she's not going to know, know it all. But 80% of the questions you ask, they should have a good idea good. of it what's going on. They should be communicators. That's and what that's what turns a, a, a good day into a great day. Yeah. You're like, man, that person knows it all. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you come back from your guy trip, you you hopefully have a fish story. Yeah. But we've been on a guy trip. Yeah, we talk about We like, didn't even talk about the fish experience. we caught. Yeah. I mean, we talk yeah. about we were on this guy trip in, in North Georgia and I hooked in this big fish. And we tell a story about how he turned the fish, you remember? Like we Yeah. <laughs> we tell like the technique, like we tell stuff like that. Like so I, I understand what you're saying. I think it's yeah, a great point. For sure. We're gonna take a break, but before we take a break, I wanted to ask you if there's anything because when we come back from the break, we're going to kind of talk about like more your fishing experience. Okay. But can you tell us anything for our listeners or just for us in general? I know about the tuck fly shop that maybe people don't know. I know you got some private water or you did. No, we still have some private okay. water. And yeah. you had like a, is there a lot? There was a. That we don't have anymore. Okay, they, don't have the when anymore. COVID hit, they sold that okay. or they put it up for but sale. But is there anything maybe about the fly shop you want to tell everybody about for 2022 or just other than the new location? Just give you a chance to do that obviously the new location in waynesville 110 depot street as shannon says come see us um no i mean I, I think the biggest thing for us this year what we're focusing on is getting a better online store okay getting yeah. more products on the online store that's that's going to be a big focus for me and dell over probably the next six or eight months um you know the locations are where they are hopefully we get all the product <laughs> that we're supposed to get <laughs> yeah, right crazy yeah right you know well, um, i don't want to Take away from your newest episode you just recorded because I listened no, to it. No, that's today fine, man. Go for it. But you guys made a great point in saying, "Hey, think about when you go grocery shopping right now. Yeah, things are a little more expensive. Yep. So and don't good come luck your, if you find it. Yeah. <laughs> so don't come into your local fly shop and be super upset if all of a sudden a pack of leaders is a dollar and a half. I haven't even looked at what they are, but you know yeah. if they're a couple dollars more. And I thought that was a great point you made in your most recent episode, and I wanted to mention it to our listeners. Even we have a lot of listeners that are on the East Coast too. Yeah. Um. Hey, when you're going to your fly shop, understand things are going to change a little bit this year. Inflation, it's everywhere. Yep. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter what you buy; it's going to be everywhere, and it just is what it is. And um, it sucks for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to pay more when I go to any other hobby I do. Yep, you know, and it's it's not going to us. We're making the same profit margin that we did before. It's just things cost more yeah, your for costs everybody. Are going up. Yeah. So what's the we're going last question? Then we'll take our break. Because sorry, it just popped in my head. No, go for it. So how, how long have you been? How long has Tuck Shop been open now? Uh, it'll be eight years in, well, the actual shop will be eight years in August. The incorporation was April. So eight years in April. Okay. Yeah. So in those eight years, what's the biggest advancement or change you've seen take place in the industry? In the industry. Hmm. I mean, if you say, I know one of the things we noticed, like it felt like during COVID, it felt like way more people started fly fishing. Well, I yeah, I mean, I don't not, know if that's an, but it, it's a good thing for business. Yeah. I don't know if it's always a good thing for the amount of people on the water. That's a fine line. Yeah, for sure. Of. And don't get me wrong, the shop is like, we want people to fish. We want people, we want to grow the sport. But then there's days where you're like, man, there's a lot of people out here. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you know? sure. We feel the so. same way, but we did an episode a couple weeks ago about how, look, man, we got a friend, we interviewed him. Um, it's one. It's our most listened to episode. Yeah. His name is Ray Sugg. I don't know if you know him. Okay. He's caught a fish on a thousand, a thousand streams, streams North in North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah. So we kind of always go back and forth with each other, like, dang, I hate these people here. Dude. Let's just drive another 45 minutes. There's other There's water. That's, I was about we to live, say that. I feel like we live in trout mecca. Yeah, like, was, we could go in so many different it, directions. It, you drive up to a stream and you see 20 people, I guarantee you can drive 20 minutes and find a body of water where you still might see some people, but it's not going to be crowded. Yeah. And it's – take again, it's like making your knowledge better. Go fish something you don't know. Mm-hmm. 
Like, there's no reason to stop fishing the exact same water. over. I know it's cool to know, like, I know this fish, I know this rock. But it's like, go, go fish some new stuff. Yeah. Why are you looking at me? I've been doing that lately. That's what I'm saying, because that's you. No, I'm saying that is you. <laughs> like, you, you're always like, I mean, we laugh about that between him and me. I'm always like, man, we, we fished this wild stream before. We know there's great fish there. Let's go get them. And he's like, no, we need to go here, here, here. And it's really it's just crazy. Our different personality. The more podcasts let's do on fly fishing, the more people talk to me about fishing. You go through stages, and I am currently in the stage where I want to learn and explore. Yeah. And it doesn't mean if I don't catch 10 fish or 8 fish or 20 fish, I'm really to that stage where it's okay. You know, like, Shannon, Shannon wrote a blog post about that. Uh, yeah, I, uh-huh. about that. the stage of fly fishermen, like the different types, and mm. you know, that's that's that stage. Yeah. I've gotten to the stage it. where it's I'm weird. not a number counter right yeah. now. Like yeah. I'm more of a sit down on the rock, eat a sandwich, enjoy. Right? Yep. That's where I'm at right yeah, now. Let's be now I could go back enjoy. to a number counter later. I don't know. But. Yeah, man, I am totally in the stage of I don't care about how many fish I get. I don't care about if anybody catches a fish. I just want to be out there. And half the time, like when we do our destination trips to Montana. Half the time, I just kind of sit back in the back of the boat and just watch people fish. I don't even. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like, it's not that I don't want to catch fish. It's just weird. It's like that place where it's like, man, I'm good. I want to enjoy it, not yeah. like feel like I'm in the rat race of catch fish. All right. We're going to go to a break, yeah. but then he mentioned that. So I feel like we need to at least plug it for everybody. <laughs> like you guys do some destination trips. You should tell. We, we have some people maybe that don't listen to your podcast. So I want okay, to yeah, hear yeah. about it. Just Yeah. So we do uh, destination trips out to uh, West Yellowstone, Montana. Um, it's on the western side of Yellowstone, right in the, the southeast corner kind of, of Montana. And we usually fish in Idaho on the Henry's Fork, uh, the Madison. And then if the conditions are right, last year they weren't with the low water and stuff they had. Um, we try to go in the Yellowstone National Park. So it includes food, lodging, and all the fishing. So hit us up. Go to the website. Check, check them out, guys. TuckCGFlyShop.com. TuckCGFlyShop. TuckFlyShop.com. TuckFlyShop.com. Yep. Awesome. All right, let's take a quick break. Yeah, we'll be right back uh, with episode 24 of Dads on the Fly. Welcome back. Episode 24 of Dads on the Fly. Caleb and Joshua here with Bobby Bennett, one of the On location. Of, with on location Bobby. with Bobby Bennett in the Waynesville uh, 110 Depot Street. I wonder if he'd let us come back and do another Tuxedo episode. Flosser. Yeah. Just back here in the corner, like during the work day. Just we just, can we just come hang out here? <laughs> just interview customers? <laughs> yeah, interview customers. Customers. Hey, what are you guys up to today? We're doing we, our We've always laughed about wanting to like set up opening day of DH water at like the West Fork and just like talk to guys <laughs> walking up. We're, like set up a tent. We might do that. We're going to do it next year. We're going to get a dad's on the fly sticker on one of those tents. And yeah, just, just, just ask people, uh, man, like, hey, where are you from? What are you doing? Because we love meeting people. So coming back from the break, we want to get a little bit more about just kind of, you know, we talked a lot about the shop in the first yeah, part man. of the episode. We want to hear a little bit more just about you personally, some of okay. um, your your favorite things about fly fishing. So where do you uh, – or, or let me ask you this first of all. What's your favorite species of fish to target? On I mean, fly? Are you like specific trout? Yeah, on the fly. Now, do you um, do a lot of other type of fish and other it's probably fishing? It's probably smallmouth. I, you know, honestly, no, I haven't picked up a spinning rod in a while. We, we um, laugh about that. Yeah, we haven't. I don't even know. But, it um, it, it's probably smallmouth. It's okay. straight up fly fishing. Just because, man, they're fun. I, I like throwing topwater poppers and all that stuff. It's just it's yeah, a we're fun gonna, way to fish. We're going to talk to you after the episode. Yeah, we'll we're going to talk yeah. a while after the episode about how to okay. do that. I know we got to get get you home oh, to wife good, to man. get the That's one of our 2022 goals. Yeah, we want to smallmouth. Well, we've not done that on the fly, but now we got our raft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, uh, that's our 2022 mission this summer. Yeah. We're, it definitely makes it easier being able to float. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you got to move a lot for smallmouth. We it's got not it. just sitting there working a hole for a while like you do trout. Yeah. So. Hopefully by the end of this year, we'll be able to do a smallmouth episode because we'll be still novices, but we'll at least have found some. Yeah, for sure. Time. Maybe. We'll yeah. see. So you said you love fishing smallmouth. What are your favorite North Carolina rivers? Just, I mean, I know we got for the any, right here. any any river yeah, or for any, any or even just even just you know it, you don't have to even give us the exact river, but like you locations. <laughs> Is that what you're looking for? Drop the coordinates. Yeah, like a notepad over there. Yeah. No, it. Um, I mean, obviously the tuck is you know just kind of like in the backyard and it's cool, but. Um, I don't actually fish the tuck anymore unless I'm throwing a two-handed rod. I'm going to throw a spay rod on that. Personally, I don't, at least I should say. Um, I mean, I fished it like a month ago with Cabell here from the coffee shop. We took him down the tuck section. But, um, 
Usually if I'm fishing that, it's with the two-handed rod. So I don't know if it's in my top tier anymore. It probably used to be. And right now, man, it's, it's definitely like small streams, park streams, okay. things like that. So you're real – that's what that's our favorite thing to do. And yeah, it was summertime, a, we've always yeah. loved that. It's always been our favorite thing to do. Yeah, it's um, just fun to go. And if you – I think you said you listened to the episode from yesterday. That was one of my things. I want to go fish two streams I've never fished before. Um, so, you know, that's probably what I'll do. It'll probably be some type of like blue line, you know, bushwhacking off the beaten path. Um, take three guys or so, so when somebody breaks an ankle, somebody can stay and somebody can go type yeah. thing, you know, one <laughs> yeah. of those. I think it's so important what you're saying. Here here we have a guy who's – I mean, you've probably fished all kind of different states, right? I'm just assuming. Uh, your, not a ton. But I mean, you've been out west. I've been out west, done some northeast stuff. Done some saltwater fly. Gone down to Florida, done and all yet, that. And here yeah. you sit in North Carolina, just like we do sometimes, and say there's nothing like hiking up a blue line, right? Oh, it's fun, man. It's beautiful. The streams are awesome, just the little cascading pools. And when you're like eye level with the water, but still making a cast and catching a fish almost above your head, it's kind of cool. That's my favorite. I don't have a lot of like fish stories or fish I remember, but that's one of my favorite like personal fish stories is catching uh, one of my first fish on a fly that I had tied. When I was eye level with yeah. the fish, like it's yeah. just something special. And, something about cool that. and you show you show, you post a picture with like this little yeah, five inch book trout in your hand, and people from the east coast are like, "Man, that's bait," and stuff like that. Or like you have cousins who are like, "We use that for bait on the saltwater." <laughs> and why would you even like that? And what's cool about it is the picture never does the fish justice. It doesn't oh, matter no. what fish it is. So when that person comes here and does it themselves and then sees that fish, they go, holy smoke, man. That should be like on a coral reef oh, in the ocean. Oh, man, yeah, they're so beautiful. Like, it's so crazy how those little specks look that way. And, and even though they look so pretty in the picture, it just doesn't – never makes it look as good as it really is. So so can you tell us – You said, I mean, you know, obviously you love blue lines here. You love the park, which we love the park. Yeah. We're big park components. We, yeah. we talk about all the time, hey, take care of the park, love the park, go spend time with your family in the park, go hike, whatever, yeah. in the park. Um. Other than Montana, which you mentioned earlier before the break, what's some other cool destinations you've been on? Just as a f- uh, we mentioned this yesterday, on West Fork of the Delawares, pretty cool. I heard pretty you guys special. talk about that. Where is this exactly? So it's basically right where New York, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey meet. Okay, um, and it's the West Fork. It's probably wider than the Tuck, where where you kind of fish, or at least where we've fished it. I'm sure there's other other areas you can go, but it really is, man. It's like 15 foot leaders, dry fly, really technical. Big brown trout. Now, you can go out there and nymph it and, you know, annihilate and catch a bunch of little fish and stuff, too. But if you're seeking the big little sippers, man, it's it's a cool spot it's to go. Wild fish? Yeah. Yep. So, it's like, I think, an hour from New York City. I mean, it's wow. pretty cool. That's so, it, it is literally like New York City's kind of playground for trout. Like, you know, a lot of those those guys go up there wow. and fish That's that are in cool. the city. I'd not heard about it until I heard the podcast. Yeah. So, that place is really cool. Obviously, Florida, you know, you can go in and East Coast, West Coast, Keys, um, you know, snook and permit and a little bit of bonefish, tarpon, awesome. It's like you caught a tarpon before? I have um, on a spinning rod. I've never actually landed one on a fly rod. I've hooked them and jumped them, but never actually, actually, actually the last time I went, which it's been a few years, I didn't even hook one. Um, I actually trout set on one. I don't know if y'all know the difference in saltwater. <laughs> I've water. heard. Yeah, you gotta, well, I've been yeah. fly fishing, saltwater fly fishing once, and yeah. that was the hardest thing. Like, this, just this, strip this, set instead of. This fish followed it all the way. I mean, he was literally probably three feet from the boat, the side of the boat, like towards the back of it. And you saw the mouth open and him come up, and I just totally pulled it right out of his Oh, wow, yeah. And obviously the guide, like, went nuts. What are you doing? Yeah. I I laugh about that. Uh, Me and and one of the buddies, we we took a guide salt water fishing, and I we laugh with people all the time. That's the most fun I've ever had getting cussed out of like how to strip oh, set like stuff. Like that. Yeah. Now that that's another topic, guide wise. Saltwater guides are totally different <laughs> yeah, than trout guides. It's a guides. different breed. It like, is, it is it, a different experience, uh, and it is totally hard. Yeah, it's not like that's the is, thing I've I found too. Like saltwater, I felt like so I played I played football in college and high school yeah. and everything. I felt like I was being coached like for a game, like getting geeked up, like fired up, like fit like. Fire flies out in the water, and you know when I go trout fishing around here, it's 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 peaceful. It's almost yeah. Dark. It's it's a different experience. <laughs> it's a different experience. And you got wind, sure. the boats moving yeah. side to side or back and forth, and all around the guy's yelling at you sixty feet, fifty feet, forty feet, yeah. one o'clock, three o'clock, and you're just like I'm trying to hit a moving target in ten seconds, less than ten seconds, and yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And then you blow it. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just part of it. Still want to go back and do it again though. <laughs> I would like to, I, I've never done it. I would like yeah, to do it. It's awesome. So. I had a question and it kind of lost me. Um, oh, so you own a fly shop. You don't guide very much anymore. You said, how many, 
How often do you get to fish? Personally? Like, How many days are you I, I know that's probably a sore subject question, man. No, no, it's not a sore question. I, I could probably go more. Um, but that might be the reason, like what you said earlier about the experience in the shop. Me and Dale are in the shop when we don't need to be in the shop. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, you could joke that it's micromanaging, but we like to call it trust and verify. Yeah, I understand that. <laughs> so, so I could probably make I could make time and go more. Um, real, real. In reality, I might get to go twice every three months here. Oh wow! Uh, personally, now yeah. that doesn't mean I don't go out with somebody and fish or. And, and on your on your Montana trips, you one of you guys go, or does somebody yeah. from the shop usually yeah. go with yeah. that trip? Meet you out there, host it. We're. Uh, you know the 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 cabbie. We get to drive the car. Do you, you use the their guides? We do. Yeah. Okay, you're their guides, like, and you just legally you have to. Yeah, because you have to be permitted and all that stuff to guide on all those rivers, and even certain shops don't have permits for certain rivers. And yeah, it's different. It's, out it's there. very. Yeah, here it's like the wild, wild west, which is funny. West is man, it's very legitimate out there. So, do you have an opinion on that? Should it go uh, that way here? Or? Yes, it should. You think so? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you can be 16 years old. And get a guide license for hunting and fishing, and not required to have insurance or first aid or CPR training. That's a problem. Oh gotcha. wow! I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. I didn't know that. That's a huge issue. I don't know why the state of North Carolina has not figured that out yet. But as far as like the water, I mean, and we're, there, and we're working on that. There's there's some hopefully cool. some stuff coming down the pipeline that that's cool. As we'll, far as we'll the water though, out. like I mean, we have public water, right? Like mm-hmm. the tuck. Let's just say the tuck. We just tuck flash out. We we yeah. all float the tuck. We float the tuck with our new boat. You guys float the tuck a lot. We've seen your guides out there. Yeah. Like, what, what's your opinion? You have an opinion on that? I mean, should it be free for all, kind of like it is? I mean, I feel like it's uh, good. For I don't some know people. if it's so much right now. The the amount of pressure on certain waters is there. Some of that possibly. I think it's more just the if you want to make an industry of guiding, which I think I forget the last study they did. I think it was 2014 that it. Trout fishing brought in like $375 million to 34 counties, the western 34 counties. That was 2014, so now who knows what it is. Yeah, it's probably going on. Uh, and that's like, you know, convenience stores, gas, hotels, yeah. fly shops, sure, yeah. all that type of stuff. Like that encompasses all that. Um, so I don't know if pressure's the big deal, uh, but maybe in a couple instances it is. I think it's more of if you took a guided trip, and something happened to you, and that person didn't have insurance, what do you do? Mm. You're going to sue them, possibly. Yeah. We assumed yeah. you had to have insurance. Yeah, I thought you had to. You do if you got, like, in the park or national forest, but, like, okay. places like the Tuck, there's nothing we governing We just assume, that. like, the sh- – and, like I said, we never knew. We just assume if, like, a guide you would think for they a would, shop but that doesn't would have mean to that have they always have. But, like, does your shop – would your shop have – Yeah, we have insurance, and we make – we actually – it's, like, double down. The guides have their own insurance policy. Also. Separate. Gotcha. It's not separate. It's under our policy. It's under. Yeah, I got you. We pay for it and everything, but they're covered under our policy as guides. So it's like an umbrella policy of company. You're also additionally insured through the national forest and the the national park, and then the guides are under all of that also. So it's a lot of insurance there. But if but if you just wanted to go out and take somebody tomorrow, that wasn't a friend, like an actual true client, and like charge money, like charge money, you know, for compensation. And you don't have insurance, you can do that unless you're in the national park or national forest area. So in Montana, not to go down the trouble too far, but you have to have permits for certain water too, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like here, you know, like the Nantahala, you can't just float a boat down that as a as a commercial outfit. You have to have a, a boat permit through the national forest, and they don't give them out anymore. The only companies that have them are the rafting companies. So um, the only way to actually do a tra- a, a legit hey, I'm going to take you fishing through a boat on the lower Nantahala is you have to go through one of the rafting companies to do that. And that's the reason we, we recommend Ken down there at Inlets River because he's got the boat permit. He know, he trout, he's trout fished for 40 years, does a good job, knows the river. Um, but, yeah, out west is kind of the same thing. Like the Henry's Fork, I think there's, oh, I forget. It's like five outfitters, and that's wow. it, that that's have permits. Cool. That's, that's it. That's and awesome. they each get three three slots per section. There's three sections of river, so they can technically only put nine boats on the river. That's why when you get online, which is me, planning trips we don't go on, because that's my job here. Like, I plan all the He's trips. the official that, trip planner. I just if go. we ever win the lottery, I have all the trips planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, trust me. That's why when you go online, different guide services will say, oh, we have access to this route, like, right? When you're yeah, out they'll there looking at Montana, that. they'll yep. advertise, hey, we yep. can get here. And it's like that in, in some Colorado areas, you know. I don't know all the states. I'm sure Wyoming's got some stuff. We're one of the four guides yeah. that have access to this. They see yeah. it on their website. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a selling point of like. Oh, for sure. sure. Um, you know, and, and if you really want to fish that river and you can't find that guide that really is your, you know, your best bud ever. It just is what it is. Are you, you know? allowed to go without guides out there? Like just me and I think him in most areas, in the you river? are. Can you I do think that? you are in most areas, yeah. 
Now, there, there could be, I, I don't want to speak, you know, total all of Western states. There could be, like, some issues where it's like you have to get a permit to, yeah, to gotcha. do it. Like, like, we could go float the Nanalahela here in our boat. We could take one of you, whatever. And as long as we buy the boat tag for that day, it's like a daily boat tag okay. that you have to purchase That's from. good to know because we, we want to do that. We want to go yeah, float the Yeah, yeah, you got to buy, so we gotta buy it's a like boat five tag. or ten bucks yeah. or something like that for a boat tag. And you have to have that to be able to do it. Now, if you do it without that, yeah, you're fishing illegally. You're floating mm. the river illegally. So there, there's certain things like that that you need to – you always need to check into that. It's crazy. People always get worked up about fishing license. I'm like, eh, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, Like, for fishing sure. license here are yeah, awesome. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. For sure. Okay, we're going to wrap this whole thing up. But I, I have two questions. Do you have anything else? i got two things. Yeah, I, I got a question, but it's probably going to be related to yours. So go ahead. Okay, so – you are a much more experienced angler than us. Maybe. Wouldn't call you a professional. Would we call you? Pro- I would call you a professional. You well, are, yeah, you I mean, he's in the industry. I mean, you're, you're, you're making money off of it. I guess <laughs> yeah, you are. You're a professional. That's, that's technically, right? So yes. can you give me your, like, go-to small stream setup? Is that something you'd feel comfortable uh, telling No, us? that's fine. Um, go-to. I or mean, just it, like a rod. Like, it, it would probably be a three or four weight at least. Length... It's all going to depend on the creek. Um, I mean, I've got a 10-foot four-weight that I fish on just about, unless I'm, it's a really tiny creek, I'll take that thing in the National Park all the t- yeah. time. But there's nothing better in the National Park than taking like a little seven-and-a-half-foot fiberglass, just throwing dry, you know, dry flies, dry dropper with like an emerger or something on it. Um, so, you know, there's a lot there, man. That's a, that's a tough question. I know, but I we, we have it. a lot of people who like can't afford like five different rods, you know. So like, oh, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what do you – I mean, if you want the end-all, be-all, I'd say like a, a four or five-weight. will The four-weight will obviously work great in the national park. You can still fish it on the tuck. The five-weight's going to give you more versatility if you think you want to go more towards the, the streamer side of things, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like, yeah, I'm more into swinging streamers. But if you're more of the purist, I'd, I'd lean more towards that four-weight. Are you a chest pack guy or a – I'm a no-pack guy. I, I carry a sling pack, but they all have their – it's like uh, there's no perfect fit. It's like when you buy a new car and you're like, man, I love everything about this but that. <laughs> yeah. You know? You're going to love everything about your new car, right? I hope so. <laughs> you know what's funny is the general manager from that dealership was in here today. Me and him were talking about it. So it was funny. He's like, yeah, I heard you got one of those. If you haven't listened to the podcast, uh, the Tuck, which we recommend, guys, go check out the Tuck Cast with Splash, Splash Bourbon. Bourbon. We recommend that podcast. Yeah, it's awesome. It's great stuff. Thanks, thanks. Bobby is uh, awaiting his car. Yeah, the Bronco. We'll the see Bronco's coming, right? It's supposed to be built next week. I said that to that GM today. And he was like, man, they've been sticking to it pretty good the last month or so. So I was like, well, shoot, it might get done next week. We'll see. You done? I have one more, but you uh, go, ahead. go ahead. I think I, I, I don't know I think how I long this up. So go ahead. The whole go All right, go ahead. We'll I don't know if I want to save this for after the podcast or not. But anyway, we, we ask this question a lot to ourselves. And we kind of like it from somebody. I have a, I guess I would call it a budget rod, right? Yeah. So I have can, a budget rod. Can you tell me? But there's a lot of rods sitting over there on that shelf in the shop that I mm-hmm. would – can can you tell me, like, when is it time for me to – and it may not be for, until my budget, like, my kids are out of college. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. you know? But can you kind of say, hey, this is what you're getting in this rod that's got this sticker price versus yeah. what you're getting. Can you speak to that yeah, or yeah, not? Yeah. If it's so, too- so if you're looking for, like, entry-level rod all the way up to, you know, hey, I want to spend 900 to to $1,000 on a rod, entry-level rod will still catch a fish. Probably the, the biggest difference that we see in them is tippet protection. So what I mean by that is if you went out with like a, a two-by-four and tied a piece of tippet to the end and tried to catch a big fish, when you go to pull him up, there's nothing that gives. There's no rebound. It's mm-hmm. just going to snap the tippet most likely because there's nothing that protects the tippet and gives a little when he pulls more, right? Yeah. Um, so you see that that is something that's in the development of – higher end rods is that they flex more now when you put more flex into the tip of a rod the problem is when you cast the recovery when that rod comes to a dead stop it still bounces right so when it does that on a on a lower end rod it bounces more and it takes longer to come back to dead stop a a higher end rod recovers faster which means it's more accurate okay because that all transfers into the fly line while it's in the air if that thing doesn't recover well my wife is going to love this yeah, <laughs> that just means I can be more accurate. <laughs> so the 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 other side of it is probably in like the fishability on the water, like the mending aspect of it. So when you have a, a lower end rod, a mend is going to be more of a big arm movement. Yeah, totally. On a on a higher end rod, it's a little bit more of just a, a little wrist flick. Which at the end of the day, after doing that a thousand times, that wears on you. Get tired. Same thing with you know a higher end rod is going to be lighter. Mm-hmm. You throw a thousand casts, doesn't sound like a lot, but an ounce. 
is a lot when you throw a thousand casts. That adds up over time. It's just like lifting a dumbbell. You can only do it so many times before you're wore out, right? So that's that's kind of where you see those things. There's also most of them are made in America. You know, have the lifetime warranty, all that good stuff on them. Most of the components are made in America, if not all of the components are made in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so that obviously adds to the the cost of the rod, just because labor costs more, right? Yeah. So all those factors. I mean, if they weren't made in America, you could probably buy a nine hundred dollar rod for like five or six hundred bucks. But you know, labor cost here is probably ten times what it is overseas in some aspects, right? Yeah. So that just adds to to the cost of it. But you know, that usually takes them, from what I understand, just from talking to people, to to come out with like if Sage or Scott's coming out with a new rod, usually takes them two years to develop it. So you've got all that built into the price, the research and development. Then they also they keep all the mandrels, which is what they roll the flags on. This is getting really deep in rod building, but they keep all those so that they can warranty every rod they've Sage has got every mandrel they've ever built since 19, whatever it is, 79 or 80 when they started. Um, So they're able to to basically fix any rod you send them. You send them one from 1982, they still got that mandrel. They can re-roll a brand new tip. Where an inexpensive rod, they're just popping another tip on that may fit just as good or maybe be a little little loose and things like that. Um, So there's just all those, like, little things that you kind of roll into. What I learned from that conversation is – we eventually need to get this podcast big enough to get some sponsors. <laughs> so, <laughs> somebody so, we can, so we can get a bigger rod, yeah. a better rod. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So last thing, and then we are for sure going to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> this is it. I promise. Uh, what happens man. when we talk to people I know, who we could do are like this. us? We, we could, could talk for we so could long. You're good, go man. Hours. I got plenty of time. So. All right, good. I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss out on your Chick-fil-A. Um, we're dads. We we take a lot of uh, friends fishing. We're hoping to take our kids fishing as they get older. Yeah. What's, you've taken a lot of people fishing probably for the first time, I mean, especially yeah. as a guide and everything. What's the one tip you would give to us as we begin raising our boys up and bringing our kids to love this sport? Let somebody else this teach hobby. them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that might be wise. That's like when you take your That's wife fishing. a good point. Dad tip of the week right especially, especially if it's ever your spouse, just yeah. let them do it. You know, it's like yeah. painting a bedroom. No, That's really probably like, a better point because it's like, you know, I've kind of not wanted to coach my kid. Yeah. You know, as he's starting to grow up, my, my son's 10. He's starting to get older. And I'm like, I'm paying a guy to do lessons with him. He's into tennis. Yeah. And I started doing it for a while. Because it's, like, it, it's like, it's that relationship. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's I, that's not it's, 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 it's just it's, funny. I mean, it, yeah. it was it was more of a joke, but but I think it is, you know, it's just the patience factor. of They're yeah. not going to be able to do it perfect every time. Um, you know, my dad, he coached me in baseball forever and, Matt, I never felt pressure from him. So I think it's, you know, leave the pressure out. Yeah. You know, hey, it's about going out here, hanging out, and having fun. That's really all it's about. And if if it's about catching fish, I mean, that's everybody's prerogative. But I think it's definitely, I forget who said this quote, but it's more about the pursuit of catching mm-hmm. fish. And that's that's really what it is. So if you always have that in the back of your head when you're teaching somebody something, I think I think that goes a long way. That it's, yeah. it's not that. It's it's more about just the entire experience. And, and that's the beauty of fly fishing is, you're reading the environment. You know, you're going there, you pick up a rock in the stream, you see the bugs, and you can match that or whatever. Or you're looking at, man, it's going to rain later. I should take some terrestrials with me because they might get flushed into the water. You know, all that type of stuff's like in the back of your head. So it's like, how does that trout think? You know, where would I be if I was a trout? You know, it's... That's the fun of it all. And, and that's part of the teaching aspect of it that goes, it's not about cast, hook, bring it to the net. This whole time we're trying to outthink something that's brain is how big? Yeah, the size of a pea, they say. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what everybody says. Everybody says yeah. No, it's so true, though. Like, just, you know, the whole experience. Like, I know thinking about, like, wanting to begin taking my kids fishing and stuff like that. Like, I, that's what I want to begin. I don't want to be pressuring them to be like, yeah. oh, you missed that fish. What are you doing? Tell no, you, if, you guys, cast, if you guys so. have Dale on the podcast, he's, a, he's probably a better person to answer that question just because I don't have kids, and he does. He's got yeah. two kids. Uh, I think Bryson's probably pushing 10. He might be 11 now. Okay. Um, and Madeline's, I want to say she's like seven or eight. Okay. That's how mine are. Mine are 10 yeah. and seven. And I mean, I think he, he had Bryson hooked on, like actually hooked up, like when he was like three years old or something. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's a brave man. That's good for him. Yeah. yeah so he, he would definitely be somebody to answer that better than And me. he ends up, you know, just swimming in the river as much as yeah. anything. So. <laughs> and <laughs> that's part good. of it. That's oh the yeah. It's an experience. Yeah. Hey, let's cast for 20 minutes and then y'all can swim here <laughs> and then we'll move up <laughs> yeah, to the next hole. You know, that's good, man. So. Bobby, this has been awesome. Yeah, man. Thank you fun. so much. I appreciate uh, y'all doing it. We appreciate you we appreciate being what on you guys and do. taking your time. We appreciate the shop. Uh want to plug it one last time. If you're in Western North Carolina, we highly recommend go see the guys at Tuckasegee Fly Shop. They'll help you out with all your fly fishing 
needs, desires, wants. You gonna try <laughs> to look it like Shannon does on their podcast? It, oh boy, oh, no. I would never. I try can't do that. ever name. We got all. Bryson City Silva and Waynesville. Yeah. That's it. So check so, them out. Yeah, check them out. We we really appreciate you guys and what you do in the industry. And thanks, man. Um, you guys have been a big help to us. So we appreciate. And we it. continue to probably lean on you when we need help. Yeah, for sure. That's our plan. That's it. So episode twenty four is a wrap. Episode twenty four is a wrap. I can't think of a better way to start off the God series than with our man Bobby here. Yeah, Bobby. Thanks. That's awesome. So thanks again for listening to Dabs on the Fly episode 24, and until next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dads on the Fly. We hope this episode has inspired and encouraged you as a parent or an angler as we wade through the fishing and parenting life on the fly. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Dads on the Fly, and shoot us a message as we always love to hear from you. If you are interested in needing Dads on the Fly merchandise, you can find it there as well. Send us a message and we'd be happy to supply you with stickers or t-shirts. If you found this podcast helpful or entertaining, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Until next time, tight lines.